we're back. Hey, y'all. Again. In case you didn't miss us, you should. We need a rap song. I can just spit a verse right after we introduce ourselves. Uh, no, no. We don't. <laughs> I would not want to hear that. You're such a hater. In case you don't know who we are, I'm Jermaine. I'm Shariah. And we are the New Kids. And we are sitting here with Leah Hill. Hi. Uh, Leah is the founder of Kindred Media and Entertainment. And we are recording out of the DAWC Clubhouse, um, the Detroit Association of Women's Clubs. If you want to learn more about the organization, our clubhouse, possibly rent out for space because you love us so much, you can visit our website at friendsofdawc.com. You can also check out Facebook and Twitter at Friends of DAWC. Good. That was a good intro. Thank you. Good intro. Thank you. I tried. <laughs> I was so, we're going to move right along. Um, question of the day. And I, I feel like I already know what your answer is going to be to this question. But, okay, so it's summertime. It's summertime. Barbecues, people cooking. What is one thing that has to be at the cookout for you to be like, I'm I'm there. Like one food item where you like, I need that today. For me to be at the barbecue. Yes. My has to be there. This is tough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with ribs. I love ribs. Do, okay. What's your, like, do you have any particular type of sauce that you like? Some people like Sweet Baby Ray. Some people like other sauce. You know, I'm I'm strange, and I've been told this many times, in that I um, don't really like a lot of sauce and condiments in my food. I just want food that's, like, cooked well. Good, yeah. Um, people use sauce to hide the nasty, nasty, nasty. food. I, that's um, what I think. Food. I'm like, if I can't eat it without sauce, then it's probably not that good. Yes. I would agree. So don't, you know, give me more calories just to coat your bad cooking. I don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It has to be Polish sausages for me. I love Uh, Polish sausages. Okay. With mustard. Gross. You sound like What's yours? Macaroni and cheese. I knew it. I knew it. It has to be I wanted to say macaroni and cheese, but then I was like, macaroni and cheese is like my every meal. It has to be their food. So I decided to go with something different. (laughs) I love macaroni and cheese. Like, one time my mom's ex-boyfriend, he was having a get-together for Super Bowl Sunday. And at the time, I hadn't met him yet. Mm. So he's like, okay, you know, what does your daughter want at the, um, you know, at the gathering? And I'm like macaroni and cheese and he's like that's not Super Bowl food and I was like that's what I want that's what I want I am the only child you haven't met me yet and my vote could get rid of this whole relationship so I suggest that you have some macaroni and cheese cheese. and there was some there when I got there it was amazing it was amazing like she made it again for my graduation party like because his mom ended up making it for us and it was amazing so yes of course macaroni and cheese if it's not there it's a, I made some macaroni and cheese like tonight's go. I was so happy. I love she will call cheese. me randomly and be like, so where's the macaroni and cheese? Because I know you made some. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, what? Like send me the uh, the menu of the night. Listen, like I literally requested that they come to my house to have a new kids meeting just so that Jermaine could cook the macaroni and so cheese at macaroni my house. Cheese. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was like, like, next this- time she uh, makes some, let me know. I will, because I was like, listen. Where is it? I was like, don't nobody touch this pan, because after y'all get y'all one little bowl, that's it. And the, and the rest is staying with me. 
Okay, so now that we know what Shirai's guilty pleasure is, <laughs> um, we're going to move on to city updates. We have a couple of things going on, and one of the things that we're going to talk about is part of the reason why Leah is here. Mm. But, um, so, the first thing we have coming up, which will be this Saturday, July 14th, is the first Minority Mental Health Awareness Fair mm. um, put on by the Mind Management Institute Incorporated. This will this event will take place as I said Saturday, July 14th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's free. Um, and they're just going to talk about different types of psychoeducation and therapeutic intervention opportunities available to underserved communities. Um, it'll take place at the International Institute of Metropolitan Detroit. Um, Where's that? It's on East Kirby. The address is 111 East Kirby. They have a registration available on Eventbrite. So if you search the uh, Minority Mental Health Awareness Fair on Eventbrite, it should come up. Um, and as I said, the event is totally free. You know, we love free. And this, of course, is a great opportunity for you to get more educated about um, mental health, mindfulness, and just the type of things that are available to us as minorities dealing with mental health issues. I like how that sounds. Yes. When I, I saw like it, I was like, this sounds great. Right, and free. <laughs> and free. Um, but this sounds like great. And you don't necessarily hear about opportunities like this, especially free opportunities like mm -hmm. this. In Mental health always seems like this really expensive thing. Yeah. And I think it's like either like expensive or kind of like taboo. taboo. People scared oh, yeah. to touch it. They don't want to like right? so like say the wrong thing. Right. So like put those two things together. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and everybody's just like, and usually nah, people of color stay far away from it. Yeah. yeah. So... Definitely take advantage of this opportunity. As we said, it is free. How many times do you have an opportunity to take advantage of something like this? Free for 99. free. For free in the city of Detroit. So please look it up on Eventbrite. Go check that out. The second event that uh, we're going to talk about is the Kindred Music and Culture Festival. Ooh, I like that one. Yes, I like I it too. Have I got my ticket. Ready. I'm like, I got my ticket and everything. You did. You bought it like. This morning? Yes. Yeah. And I was like, yes, let me do this before I forget. I like waking up to uh, those notifications. notifications. <laughs> yes. That's a good way to wake up to money. So the festival will be happening on July 21st at Roosevelt Park. You can get tickets at um, kendrickfestival.com slash tickets. Uh, and of course, we're going to get into more information about the idea behind the festival yes. and the idea behind Kindred uh, Media and Entertainment and, of course, all things related. So we're going to talk about that a bit later. But please go get your tickets. It's really going to be an amazing time. I'm very, very excited. Absolutely. And, and that's I'm another thing. For you. Thank like, you. Recognizing that we don't have that festival presence is, you know, looking at like supply and demand, really. Yeah. Um, so the next thing coming up in July is the return of Idlewild. Mm. And of course... That's going to be a beautiful experience. Yes. Yeah. Um, shout out to Kwaku. Shout out to Kwaku, who was a previous guest. And, and Bleak. And Bleak, <laughs> who was also a previous guest and hopefully future guest as well. Um, the return of Idlewild is happening July 27th. That's my birthday, y'all. Woo woo. Uh, through the 29th. Um, you can get more information about that at um, either blackmetroeats.com or returnedofidlewild.com. So, are you a Leo? I am. Okay, cool. <laughs> My sister's a Leo. I like them. Yes. <laughs> you guys have funny temperaments. Yes. Yes, we do. Because <laughs> okay. I already know you bought the Is that, That's a good way to put it. Funny temperaments. 
It is, but she doesn't. That's politically correct. So. <laughs> I'll um, keep my comments until we the, take a commercial break. Yes, and the last thing that we have going on, which. Uh, another one of our guests is a part of is the Dream Builders Networking Mixer, which is highlighting um, and focusing on branding and marketing. Wednesday, July 25th from 7 to 9. This event is also free and it'll be at the Griot Lounge in Midtown. Um, Veronica Gibson, our previous guest, she also designed the cover to my book, so shout out to Veronica, um, will be a part of this panel, so definitely go check that out Wednesday, July 25th from 7 to 9. Again, it's free. You can find more information about that event on Eventbrite as well. So all this free stuff, we be giving y'all knowledge and stuff. Yeah. That's Think crazy. if we had, like, you know, really taken it and run with it. Man. <laughs> if only Chris had never went anywhere. Millennials are pioneers. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about current events and hot topics going on um, in and around Detroit and Metro Detroit. First things first, Michigan's race for governor. Thank God, because... Our current governor, he's like Voldemort. Yeah, he oh, should be in go. jail. He should be in jail. I don't understand why he's not, but that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day. Yes. Um, the current is the gubernatorial. Yes, that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's one of those. It's kind of like hard to forget once you know it, though, because it's like gubernatorial. Mm-hmm. Such a fun word to say. Um, All right, you gotta so take advantage race, of when you can say it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that race is um, currently underway. The primaries. Yes, the primaries. And it's been interesting. Um, Lawn signs start popping up. Mm -hmm. You know, you start seeing different billboards um, of people. You see names that you know, names that you don't. And um, recently, or at least from what I've seen, a lot of our um, millennial friends have started getting more involved in the political. I heart Abdul. Yes, (laughs) the political. workings which is great i think it's amazing we need to take a stand especially here so shout out to camille and numi also known as adrian uh, who have been working very hard on the ground to get information out there but i think that especially now we're in a time where public transportation is such a critical need and it's not being addressed appropriately Um, we have issues with the um, education system, health system, healthcare, educational system, all of that, all the systems. Yes, we have every system, every total system. overhaul. But what are some things that you all think that um, would make a strong political can- political candidate for Michigan, or mm. you know, a governor for Michigan? I mean, I already said I heart Abdul, and I really do. Um, I wish I could think of her name, but you're familiar with, I think it's Alexandria. Yes. Um, out of Brooklyn. Yeah, that just won. Just won, um, you know, took the seat of a long-term Democrat within the party. And, you know, one of those- supposed to succeed Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. For like, I mean, she knocked out like a top Democrat. Um, and I think, you know, there's like, after that, there was all these headlines about do millennials need to be in politics and all these things. And I'm like, First, millennials now, like the youngest millennial is what, like 22 or something like that? Like Like I'm pretty much, I'm almost at the tail end of millennials and I'm 23. So at the high spectrum, you're looking at people who are 35, who are, who should be our leaders. (laughs) Right. I think they just look for any reason to like throw the millennial name out there just to kind of get that. Because it has a bad reputation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, and you know what? I don't even think it's necessarily 
a bad reputation. It's just it re- it represents change, and as we all know, yeah. boomers and all in between, they hate change. They hate anything that's semblance yeah. to change. And even within the Democratic Party, I mean, the, I work for a PR firm, and we do a lot of like political stuff. So every morning, I wake up and I like make a news clip Mm -hmm. so I literally every morning I'm reading all these articles but um so I mean one of the hottest things right now is within the Democratic Party there's these you know factions of those who are young and like truly liberal and established Democrats who still want to kind of go by the rules and how things have been and who have you know interests that lie with lobbyists and things of that nature versus an Alexandria who comes in and she's like I'm not taking big money Um, I'm here for the people and you can see that it's genuine and that's something that I see reflected in Abdul which is the reason why I really like him I think it's nice to see someone who's young and of color and who hasn't been part of like you know the political system because the political system is corrupt so it's nice in my mind to see someone who is thinking critically about issues um who wants to you know help people who at sometimes can't help themselves yeah um so i mean you know that's my your my endorsement (laughs) i i just think it's so crazy how boomers will stick to their guns even when they are very clearly wrong like yeah it hasn't worked it has not what your system your like the trickle down economy i'm like how can we still be having a conversation as if that works there are so many things that are very clearly wrong there are so many alarms so many red lights so many buzzers going off that's saying this is not working but they still want to say well if we keep doing it this way it'll work eventually like when is eventually that was yeah. 10 years ago eventually no. it's over and that's I mean that's my thing with like really wanting to put in young people of people because as we've seen like for the past who knows how long nothing ever really gets accomplished yes. and I mean unfortunately that has a lot to do with like this the two parties we have in Republicans and Democrats who are, you know, seemingly very polarized, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of stuff that happens within the Democratic Party itself yes. that's yeah. also not Terrible. for the people at the end of the day. Because again, I mean, we don't see people of color reflect as much as they should be, and so we still see white people who claim to be liberal and mm-hmm. for us and all this good stuff, but don't actually follow I'm liberal, those but. Like, it's yeah, like yeah. that, but, you know, I'm liberal. Yeah. Or I'll make this concession so that we can get this built. And it's like, but that's wrong. Right. That's not what we should be doing. While we're speaking about politics and about Flint, <laughs> um, and Shariah wants to bring this up. Because mm. <laughs> I find this man extremely strange. I do, too. I was, like, irritated by it this yeah. morning. So I'm riding down the street listening to the radio. It must be Shri. No, no, it's Elon Musk. Oh, he's Tell very us. strange. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he so, said he was going to fund the Flint. He's like, I'm going to mm-hmm. fund the Flint, you know, repairing of all these things. And he, what was weird to me is, for one, you just said this out of nowhere. You don't yeah, have can, a was website. There any you don't was have any email. Well, okay, he's so, just been talking via his tweets pretty much. So he's kind I of did like a little Trump. digging. <laughs> I did a little digging. And so he has kind of been participating in the Flint effort slightly because Mari who is also known as uh, Little Miss Flint, did a bike drive, like, I think maybe like four or five months ago. Mm-hmm. And so he contributed significantly to her bike to her. drive. Okay. Um, but these co- these corresponding tweets kind of seemingly came out of nowhere. I yeah. think a bunch of people were responding to him, assisting the um, the Thailand um, cave rescue mm-hmm. of the little boys that were uh, trapped in the cave. And it's and like Flint still doesn't have water. Right, and so somebody kind of brought that up like, hey, I bet you won't 
give Flint this much money and so he's, he's like, like well, well I'll actually sure, I will. I'll do it um, I'm like if he does it cool yeah right. if I, have, I have a friend who works for SpaceX and I thought to myself I need to text them like Oh, your boss follows through on their uh, their promise. <laughs> the thing that like frustrated me the most is that one of the radio hosts, I don't even know who it was because I don't listen to that station often, was like, well, if he does actually do this, he'll be like Detroit's Dan Gilbert. What? No. <laughs> I was like, no. what? What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, mean? I'm trying to figure out what comparison... What has Dan Gilbert ever done positively for the city? And that's the thing that made me so mad about it is because they made it seem like such this superhero complex type of thing. Like Dan Gilbert oh, I'm just sure Dan Gilbert swooped thinks he's a in and saved the city of Detroit. And I'm like, what? Well, another piece of news relating to Elon Musk. So a U.S. Senate candidate from Michigan says that he'll put a half a million dollars towards an idea from Elon Musk to fix the Flint water crisis. So whatever idea he comes up with, um, I guess this Senate hopeful will pledge half a million towards that. I think that's something big to consider. Like we have to elect somebody that's not afraid of this issue. And I think that's willing to address it head on and be more proactive in it than our current governor. Cause like he know he wrong. He know he need to be in he jail. Know he He's pretty much like ignored it. Yeah, yes. he haven't said anything about Which, it. And, and it was just, his fault. So it's, it's like what it's like kids when they do something bad and you ask them what happened and they look at you like you crazy. Well, I, I, I think that's how white men are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like what? Huh? Because I mean, it's just like if, if you're just like in this realm of existence where often like your you're actions are unchecked and you're not held accountable, the time comes for you to be held accountable and you don't know what to do and you kind of like you said you act like a kid and you don't address it and you don't fix it and you don't do what's expected of a conscious thoughtful Person. citizen mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely because yeah. i think it'll be just an epic failure for somebody that's not ready to address those things or be really at the forefront of these things because that's kind of the seat that's left open for them like hey sit here and here's all this fire from yeah. these last years of these people not having clean water no the person who steps into that role is going to have a really hard time and another cleaning reason, up their mess yeah cleaning up their mess and that's another reason why I like Abdul it because a lot of his background was isn't within healthcare, mm-hmm. and I think in terms of what Michigan needs, which is obviously like Flint needs um, health resources directed that way because kids are kids you know, are suffering really from really effect, being yeah. affected and having I think someone who has a health background would be very helpful. We obviously are going through this era within this healthcare debate where. Again, I think having a governor who has that healthcare background yeah. would also be very helpful. And I don't know what is, I mean, like what is Gretchen Whitmer like a a professional politician? You know yeah, what I mean? Uh, yeah. I don't know. The same old, same old, essentially. Yeah. Moving on, a little bit of sad news, and this really hurt my mom. She was like devastated over this. This happened maybe like a week ago, maybe less. The historic Bablo boat went up in flames. Yeah. Um, and it tore up a lot of people, of course, because they have a lot of memories tied to that boat and that experience. And I was reading about the story, and it looks like it was an accident. A welder, um, because they, the boat was parked, docked, <laughs> like on the water. They were doing renovations, and a welder, as he was working, one of the sparks hit something. In result, boat in flames. So it wasn't malicious, but 
I know that the event triggered a lot of emotional responses from people. Um, I was on a, you know, those little pedal bike things that ride around downtown and stuff. You did that? I did the boat version. Mm. So we actually rode past and stopped at the marina that the boat, the Bablo boat was docked in about a month ago. And so I was looking at it and I'm like, it doesn't, from what people tell you and then actually seeing it, it doesn't look how I thought it would look. But mm. of course it was also like halfway demolished. It's like <laughs> old. <laughs> Very old. So I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if they're going to, like, I don't know what the next steps are for restoration of the boat. I don't know if they're going to continue to try to bring it back from now this fire damage. Um, it seems like it'll be a lot. Like, they almost, were already putting a lot of money yeah, into the restoration. Yeah, it's almost upside down, kind of. I would be very surprised if, like, you know, yeah. if that boat guy restored versus them saying, Boplo 2.0. I'm honestly surprised because from what I understand, this is uh, this boat was one of two. Mm. And so I can't remember where they said the other boat was, but they were already putting a lot of money into restoring the boat from where, like, its previous state. So with all this water damage or uh, fire damage and possibly water damage from them trying to put out the fire. Um, who's to say? But I know a lot of people were broken up about the Bablo boat. Um and yeah from what i hear it was live y'all used to be turning up it was like the detroit freaknik on water oh lord for real i can't imagine what it's gonna be like when we get older we're like man back in the day we used to go to i'm not telling y'all spot (laughs) (laughs) when i was young we were going to kindred music and culture yes we were going to the first one now my kids are going (laughs) we were at the first one y'all that's one of my favorite things i'm like okay don't come this year Okay, so the last thing on um, current events slash hot topics, and this is something that we discussed at the clubhouse um, fairly recently. So about a week ago, an article came out about gentrification and the um, status of gentrification in Detroit. This article was from the Detroit Free Press, and um, basically... They got a bunch of opinions and spoke with this author, um, Alan Malik. And his opinion was that gentrification does not address the real problem that um, urban cities such as Detroit are facing. And even though gentrification is rising, so is joblessness and poverty. Um, And how that's affecting the amount of working age people within the city limits. And I I don't know, from my point of view, um, honestly, like, I've never really been a fan of gentrification. People always say, well, y'all, is, we're looking at it from a jaded point of view of all oh, the white people are trying to take over. I have not seen a positive instance. Mm-hmm. Actually, let me take that back. But I don't, I don't necessarily know if I want to call that gentrification or not. I was reading about this... Um, city in Pennsylvania, um, I think it's like a suburb of Philly, where it's a predominantly African-American neighborhood. White people have moved in, but the neighborhood has still been able to coexist essentially with the addition of these um, non-natives. Whereas in other predominantly African-American metropolitan cities, we see a more aggressive form of gentrification where 
local businesses are not given the opportunity to thrive and grow. They are instead pushed out and made room for um, non-representative <laughs> um, faces of Detroit. And I think it's, it's, it's very interesting to watch um, because like, for instance, bike, all these bike lanes popping up around the city. In theory, bike lanes are a great idea because they help increase yeah, In mobility. theory, really, some of the scientists to me, they're like, bike lanes show you that gentrification is coming. And I'm like, that's crazy because in reality, more black people ride their bikes, bikes as yes. a necessity mm-hmm. than and white people. In theory, bike lanes are a great idea, especially when you have a city who is struggling with public transportation, who is you know, trying to combat the issue of um, cars and uh, automobile mobility, mm-hmm. of course you would think, well yeah, adding bike lanes is a great idea because people need a safer safer way to get around. But then when you look at the reality of the situation, the, these bike lanes are not for us. Like, we've been needing bike lanes for 20 years. Where was they right. at 30, right. 20 And I think that's ago. the thing where you're like, oh, it's gentrification because you know that these type of additions happen not for people of color and people who have been in this, these communities yes. for forever they happen for those who happen to be white who have just moved in and yeah. so they're not a bad thing it's just kind of like why, why this have happened five years ago yeah. Yeah. to help keep you know black kids riding their bike safe so now it's like a priority because there's white you know white people yeah. yeah and like i get it like there are some neighborhoods in the city that are benefiting from city investment from um attractive interests such as the live six area the avenue of fashion um it's you know there's they're seeing a resurgence but those are not the only city those are not the only neighborhoods in the city detroit is huge you know yeah there's a vast network of people within the city of Detroit who need the educational resources, who need the health resources, who need the ex- uh, accessibility resources available to them, and they are getting it because investment is being thrown downtown or being thrown into these areas because, yeah, investment in Live 6 is great, but if you look at the history of that area, it's already been an affluent area. Like, yes, Live 6 was struggling, but there are definitely many other neighborhoods within the city of Detroit as a whole that could benefit from the same type of investment and growth. Um, and of course, that's not being blind to the issues that we face with crime, with safety um, and necessity, but you also have to think about what what resources and options are available to combat that, that, could, that we could be using to combat that and instead we are funneling somewhere else. Yeah, I said to somebody the other day, I'm like, you know, how are we giving billionaires tax breaks mm-hmm. that is money that could be going to the public school system? Yes. That can be going towards street education, street Just lights. stuff as simple as street lights. Like, so it's really confusing. Yeah, like there are blocks completely pitch black. And somebody's like, oh, I would never go down that street because it's dark. Okay, well, you like put in requests to the city to put lights. Everybody, they got the city app now. I'd be reporting everything that's that. We need this, we need that. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, uh, nope, that's all. That's I've all. never used that. I have. The city um, app. What is it called? So it's, um, I believe it's the city of Detroit. Where did it go? Yeah, I think it's just a city of Detroit app. And you can use it to report things like uh, down power lines, potholes, branches, out street lights, um, 
like dumping grounds, um, just things that are within your hmm. neighborhood. And it doesn't have to be specific to your neighborhood. Like if you drive in, it'll allow you, you see some point, like pinpoint a location and report things that need to be addressed. Let me tell you, the city of Detroit throughout this process of Kindred has been like, ah. um, I can imagine. I can definitely imagine. And I've talked to Kwaku about like his experience with Idlewild versus, you know, doing things there versus my experience doing it. And he's like, you know, it's so easy because everyone's just like, okay. Yeah, great. Yeah. And I'm like, <sighs> and I get, you know, we're a large metropolitan but then I'm like, shouldn't we have better processes? Oh, absolutely. When you mm-hmm. think about it, for Detroit to be as large as it is, for, for I see this like floating around the internet uh, every couple of years, and they're like, so all these cities can fit into the size of Detroit. It's crazy. It's so crazy how so many of our systems are so antiquated. You would think we are in the 21st century, people. Why is everything so slow, so backwards? It's embarrassing. So diff- it is very embarrassing. Like... <laughs> It's because it's just kind of like, and I mean, I guess it probably happens everywhere, which is like governmental entities just like move slow and it's just part of the the experience to go through all those hoops, but it just doesn't make sense, especially, and this is one of my reasons why there needs to be younger people within roles in government, because I'm like, we could probably figure it out. I just mm-hmm. feel like, yeah, at this point, Detroit should be way further along than what we are. Yeah. And like when you visit other similar metropolitan cities like Atlanta, like- I mean, we need to be like Japan. I feel like stuff happens in Japan and it's like, bam, fixed. Yes. Or if you probably want to get like a permit to do something, it's like, click this box, click this box, provide this. The computer system probably can read it enough versus a human having to do it and all that. Like, yeah, and it's not I mean stuff is perfect in these places, but Detroit is definitely... Detroit has to do better, though. Yeah. I think it goes, like, along with what you were saying earlier about, like, boomers and other generations not being open to change. So until we get millennials in the office or, you know, even maybe boomers that are open to change if they actually exist... Um, <laughs> Yeah. When you meet someone like you you meet an older individual who's really like, because a lot of them say that we are gonna listen and we want your help and millennials are so great. Can you make us a Facebook page? (laughs) That is always the first thing that they ask. And it's like, yes, but you could have made yourself a Facebook page if we're being a hundred right now. And that's not. And I have so much more value to add than like just being able to make a Facebook page. And to do that Twitter thing. <laughs> that, that, what did my grandma call it? She said, do you twit on Twitter? <laughs> so I'm like, you know what I mean? I was like, what? <laughs> I, like, my mom I'm like mom. a really smart individual and you're reducing me to social media. Listen, so I, twits on Twitter. <laughs> my mom and my aunt are finally getting like... I'm triggered. Accustomed, <laughs> accustomed to using like event, sites like Eventbrite. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, there are so many resources available to you to help manage your events that are so much easier than the processes that you've been doing. But you refuse to acknowledge these processes because who knows why. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's the end of current events slash hot topics. Mm -hmm. We're going to get off our soapbox. um, For now. Hopefully, with no more interruptions, we're going to take a commercial break and be right back. (laughs) Hey, guys, it's Shariah, one third of the New Kids. And if you're interested in being on our show or have a guest in mind, you can check us out 
or email us at thenewkidsllc at gmail.com or you can follow us on all social media at thenewkidsllc and even on SoundCloud at thenewkidsdetroit. Anyways, so we are here with Leah Hill, the founder of Kindred Media and Entertainment. So, welcome. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for gracing us with your wonderful presence. Mm -hmm. So, first, we're going to start off with a little bit of background to get to know more about you. So, my favorite question is first, of course. (laughs) Are you a Detroit native? And if so... East side or west side? West side. I'm a bougie west side girl. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I grew up uh, like the Palmer Woods area. So, seven mile like near Woodward. Yeah. In Livernois. Yeah. Jermaine is always super ecstatic and having this whole dance party every time we get to east side or so. Are you from the east side? I am. I, I kind of even now. I technically live on the east side now. I moved downtown. Like, I'm like by the river. Okay. Um, so you know it's like east side but I'm like I'm still like really like close to downtown so I don't so what is your favorite Coney Island you know I'm gonna sound not like a Detroit native but I'm not really faithful to any Coney Island for real Ooh, well, that's the first time we heard that one. Yeah, yeah I it know. Is. I know. Definitely the first time. For um, that. I don't know. I feel like we should explain it to our listeners that are not that are not Detroiters. Oh, yeah, it's a big deal. The the importance of Coney Island. Yeah, because I feel like other because like New York has Coney Island, but it's no, not no, it's not, but it's Coney, not, it's not it's Coney, Coney Island. Like, Coney yeah. Island is like uh, a it's, park that has like rides and right. the beach. It's like not. Uh, like going it's they're not comparable entities whatsoever so to explain to our non-native Detroiters out there in podcast land Coney (laughs) Island is kind of what you would consider like a diner yeah um and it's funny because there are so many different Coney Islands but they all do the same thing but okay so that's fine I'm like I mean, the food tastes a little bit different. No, no, it definitely, you know, it's the same concept. It's the same. But the thing also is, like, I would never eat like a coney dog because I just don't. That's just (laughs) you never know. (laughs) I'm like, I'm. I always just get an omelet. So I'm like, you know, you really can't mess up an omelet for me to feel like super loyal one way or another. I'm like, I'll get an omelet or French toast, and if you fuck those up, well, could I not? I don't have any custard. Okay. And if you fuck that up, like, then it's a problem. But other than that, I'd be, like, chilling. And I only really go to Coney's when I'm, like, under the influence. Yeah. I'm also kind Most of, like, let's I just go I feel like that's always in the Coney. Like, it's Coney realm. It's, like, it's a requirement. Yeah. Well, like, you know, Southern states, they have Waffle, Waffle House. House. I love Waffle House. We have Coney Island. Yeah. I love Waffle House. Because at Coney Island, Waffle you can get House. breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know. And most Coney yeah. Islands I know are 24 hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, never, you know. never know what you're going to see. Like, you never know what you're going to see. No, Coney Island's a great experience. It is. Plus, you know what? You can't be loyal to one. You got to taste it all. Experience it all. I feel like, mm. like I have a staple, but I've also ventured out to other Coney Islands just to kind of see what it's like. I was <laughs> I was at work today and this guy like came in with this food and he was looking all mad. I'm like, you know, what's up? You, you didn't bring me no food? He like... I made a mistake of just stopping at a random Coney, no. <laughs> and I'm not satisfied. I was like, first no, of I'm all, sure that happens to people all the time. Why would you stop at a random Coney? When I was at and Western, go through the drive-through at that. When I was at Western, you know, like a lot of our football players were from down south. So from the football players who were from Detroit, they would bring some of their friends back, and they would taste Coney, and either they would be like, oh my god, like 
or they'd be like, right. it's terrible. terrible. <laughs> it was like one or the other. It was it was like culture shock for me when I went. Um, I lived in Nebraska for a long, short period of time. <laughs> So what does that mean? A long, short period. Let me guess. Half my frame. Let me. <laughs> a long, short period of time. Okay. So you say a long, short period, right? So it's a short period, but it's a on the longer spectrum of like when it goes to short to medium. Yes. So I'm thinking that's like. How old are you? I'm 27. Okay. I'm thinking within your lifespan, what is like a short time frame? I kind of want to go with like four to five years. Yeah, no, it was definitely longer than that. It was about 10 years. That's but even that. For our listeners, yeah. for the listeners, that's a long time. That's a long time. And they know. The, the reason I said short, though, is because it wasn't my decision to move to Nebraska. And Well, whose decision I, would it ever be to move to Nebraska? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. She took me there, but when I when we moved there, we were up playing games all night, and it was like super super late. So I'm like, oh, let's go to Coney Island, like, cause that's what me and my mom would do. We stay up late, and then we go hit up a Coney. She's like, you know, they don't. So you went to like a diner or something? She's like, they don't have Coney Island, and I'm like, okay, well then we can just go to White Castle. You know, it's no big deal. No, I don't know White Castle either. And I'm like, huh? Send me back. Where is Nebraska located? <laughs> like, if this is a man. <laughs> Like, where do I go to get to Nebraska? <laughs> it's some You got to go down. Okay, then, we're going south. Like, you have to go south and then... I want to... South and then west. West? Yeah, yeah it's south west. Because you got to go through Chicago. Um, you have to go through Illinois, Iowa, a small little... So, them, all them flyover states. <laughs> yeah. Do people consider Michigan a flyover state? No. I don't think so. Because I feel like, where would you, I mean, fly over Canada? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess we're just and I feel like, like because of the Great Lakes and stuff like that, people actually come. Michigan is a like very important state when you think about the economy of our country. Actually, yeah. Which is interesting. Michigan. Cars. Cars, water, international waterways. Like, it's a lot. Yeah, so we're not a flyover over state, but when you get to states like Iowa. People don't really respect our name, though. They don't. They do not. Yeah, they, they like to only think of the negative. People don't think they're haters. Yeah, they are haters. Anyways, so what high school did you attend? I went to Country Day. Really? Right, interesting. But I played soccer. (laughs) Um, I played soccer and... You know, it's funny because people who meet me now are like, you did? I'm like, oh. Like, I was traveling nationally. Like, Hmm. I was a tomboy. was in sweats all the time. Like, you would not see me. Like, this is what I choose to wear casually. (laughs) A dress. Um, I was a very, it was, it's really strange. One of my best friends, like, she told me maybe like, you know, a year ago, she's like, you know, Leah, I didn't think you would end up this person. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I went to country day because I want to play soccer. Okay. It was very formative for me. Um, really kind of solidified my distaste for white people. Um, I can see that. It's just so much privilege. It was so much privilege, like all the time. Cause I was there, I was there. I don't think it was the first time Obama was elected, but it was like his re-election cycle, and so so old because I was in college when he got elected. Yeah, no, I'm young. I am young. Um, but like, can you imagine being at Country Day? (laughs) I know. I mean, my sisters. I want to say it was like last year, maybe two years ago. Like there was like these kids like walking around with like Confederate flags in the parking lot, right? Which is crazy, and it was like apparently for some project or whatever but I'm like no 
And it's crazy to think. That's why, like, it's so so crazy to me how uh, oftentimes we as Detroiters think about Michigan. We don't really consider that Michigan is Mm -hmm. as a whole racist. (laughs) Because we think Detroit is like... You would think it's kind of impossible to have a city like Detroit and then be racist. But there's a there's a city like Detroit in every state though, yeah. Yeah. which is something to think about. Like you know what I mean? Like there's always going to be those places where through redlining and systematic oppression that black people all oh yeah absolutely everywhere. I think that no, I get scared driving like on road trips and stuff. Up, like up we north. recently, we, me and my family, I drove actually the whole way. I was really proud. Mm-hmm. We drove from uh, here to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you just stop to like get gas, and I just be like, okay. So like we're stopping everybody got their shoes on like you have my sister took me a long time to come back through and I back in the bathroom and I was like shit I was like I'm gonna have to go in there like where the fuck is my sister <laughs> you know what I mean like every fourth of July it's just like we met with like this feeling of how do I actually feel about this country yes like it's obvious like it's hard for me to just say I hate it because it's where I'm from yeah, it's where yeah. my family is and to some extent like Compared to other countries, America does provide you liberties and yeah. provides you access to wealth if you can finagle your way in there. Um, I get it. Opportunity, quote unquote. Like, I get it, but it's just like when you're a person of color and if you're, you know, in poverty and if there's just like all these factors up against you, it is so hard to make it out in this country. And it's also like systematic like they don't want you to yeah really uh, i took this it wasn't a bad class like it was a great class but it was called the world of the black child in college and i was like cool like we could talk about black kids and but then the class starts and you know it's layer upon layer mm-hmm. upon layer of all the factors that can go negatively towards a child's achievement in their finding of success I don't know. It was it was tough, and it's tough because I also I was I went to University of Michigan, and I was in the business school. So business okay. is very much like what I want to do: marketing, entrepreneurial studies. But I did a minor through the school of social work. Um, that's that's interesting. Yeah, it was too like, different. Yeah, no, I had to because it was like the capitalism was like getting to me. Yeah, there's <laughs> um, like two different spectrums of. Yeah, I, I because in business school, like we literally never talked about people. I want to be rich. I want to be wealthy, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. But I want to be wealthy so I can be, you know, a philanthropist. Yeah. Um, and I want to be able to have a foundation one day and all these other things. So for me, it was, you know, providing that balance of, you know, people. But it's just tough when you think about how can you really effectively help young black people? Because that's something that I want to do one day. And it's just like you, because you can't like just say, I'm going to give the money to go to college yeah. and to get scholarships. Okay. But how do you get them to the position where they where can they actually they, cause then you get to college and access, then make it through college? Transportation. I mean, when you, our identity is so nuanced when you think about the different layers mm-hmm. and it's like you said something about, you know, the, the conflict that you feel about being American and being from this country. And it's like, uh, the 4th of July, eh, 
Mm-hmm. But when it's you just go hard abroad, to celebrate like independence and like. But it's crazy because as a like we're not when we're here like when we're in this country we're not just American we're black we're women mm-hmm. like we are from urban you know neighborhoods but when you think about going abroad like they don't look at that as your identity they look at you as American and they don't like Americans like I've been to so many different countries and just automatically I don't like, like Americans too so I'd be feeling them I'd be like, like I get it bro I'm on your side we can actually really. be friends yes <laughs> but then you even have to peel back that layer and then it's like well think about this country's history and then you with still go somewhere and they don't like black, black people that's what I'm saying yeah. like you anywhere you go it's like okay you peel back that American layer like look I feel it I got you we here but then I it's like, myself, like black. what do black people do to what do black people do to you I think we're just so powerful that it automatically intimidates Yeah, I think people. it's a this like innate thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's like this innate because thing. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, you will find something to where they the majority or the perceived majority has done something to the minority population. It's like, well, where can we go? Where I, can we go? I think for me, like part of, because me personally, I'm really not into like politics and all that stuff. Mm. Just kind of not. But one thing that was interesting to me is a couple weeks ago, we went to the Civil Rights Museum in Greensboro, North Carolina. Mm. And it was like one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And it showed me that we're not far removed from where we were. No, not at all. Which was scary. Like it was like a scary reality because I started thinking like, there's people that think that we are like so far from this and like they focused a lot on um, Emmett Till and like they had they're this opening giant, their case against yeah they had this giant picture of him um, after he had been beaten with all the scars and everything and the swelling the picture was huge and it was like dark and the guy the um, the tour guy was talking to us like it was so in depth that he dismissed the kids because he's like y'all don't even want to be a part of this and it it was like you know that happened so long ago but here this white woman is still alive getting money off of something that she just straight up lied about i mean and, and people and i see people bring this up all the time like American history, they don't want us to forget 9-11. They don't want us to but forget the forget Holocaust. Slavery. But let's, oh, slavery was so long ago. Mm-hmm. Why are y'all still worried about slavery? You know, like, I, I can't be blamed for what my ancestors did. Like, but you kind of can. Or like, they very much me. And just still can because you still benefit from Yes, and yeah. it's like, so much. yes, slavery happened so, you know, so many years ago, but and we're also stuff, thinking about civil rights, which happened not, not even, like, not even that long ago. Right. So I, I always, when I was a kid, I used to be infatuated with Rosa Parks and Ruby Bridges. Like, those was my homegirls. I love them. Mm. So, like, when I grew up to realize that Ruby Bridges is not older than my, my grandmother. Yeah. Like, that was, like, crazy to me. Like, what? When I was a kid, I thought that this was so long ago that she was going to be dead by the time I got grown. Like, that's just kind of how I thought about it but it's like no she's not even 70 but even talking to like our parents and our grandparents and people like older people in our community growing up I remember being like taught about slavery in the south and oh my god it was so bad and then the civil war and you know like all this stuff happened um and oh the north was great like oh yeah they came up north and everything yeah. was good and then you Racism talk to people in the north yeah, yeah you talk to people like you talk to your parents you talk to your grandparents and they tell you like no we still were denied and no north. my dad vividly remembers um his family moving into neighborhood and being like the first black people in even this house that we're in like yeah. the like they black people could not own property 
two blocks, like at least from the fruit, well, what not used to be the freeway, but like this whole pathway down. Black people could not own property. And this, we purchased this house in 1941. That's why we have the side door. Because since she couldn't own property on ferry, she said, okay, I'm gonna make the entrance on brush. So you have two addresses. So it's like, that was in the 40s. And this is when black people are supposedly free. So you think about all these, mm -hmm. like all these layers and all this nuance to our identity, and you just want us to forget and be like, oh, racism is over. It's over. But then they like pick every little thing to remind us of 9-11 or the Holocaust. Like I was in eighth grade and this the teacher, like I said something was ghetto. I was like, girl, this is so ghetto. Like just something, you know, just talking. And she started crying about how you don't know a real ghetto and the Holocaust and got to telling me. And I was like, well, first of all, I'm in eighth grade. So obviously I was talking about the ghetto as in my like, context. Like, you know, where I grew up at. And why are you reminding me of this as if your ancestors didn't torture mine and still continue to torture mine yeah. and everybody else's? Like, I just don't understand. I don't get it. They're all nuts. They have amnesia. <laughs> like, Sounds selective amnesia. Sounds white. <laughs> Shut up, Drake. Okay. Ooh, child of white. Ooh, child of white. <laughs> hmm, this is a white. This <laughs> Anyways, so we got a little sidetracked, but that's okay because you answered most of our questions without us even asking them. So right. That's perfect. <laughs> um, so you talked about being at the School of Business and having the um, minor in a completely different field. So yeah. what was your first job out of college? Um, well, like I said, I'm still pretty young, so I'm still in my this first job. This is technically her first job. This is like my, oh, right, yeah. almost. Um, but like I said a little bit earlier, I do PR for... Um, uh, media communications firm which is super cool it's actually um, I grew up with this boy his name's Mario Mara we went to middle school together he went to UD I went to Virginia yeah we were always you know friends and you know friendly but you know our past we're going different ways he went to DePaul I went to Michigan still always cool you know vacations and stuff but now it's like I work for his dad's firm and so that's what I do uh, PR media communications which is cool um, I'm learning a lot because, you know, it's not necessarily like what I got my degree in, but it's a good supplement for knowing that I want to go within the media and entertainment route and, you know, building connections. And it's been super helpful within me, you know, getting the festival done because I did get to meet like people who are like, you know, city councilmen and who have the ear of certain people who, you know. What's that saying? Uh, your net worth is your net worth, net worth type of yeah. thing. So it's been great in that that respect, and I've been learning a lot, so I'm happy with that. And he's also like super cool. Like the other, like it was like yesterday, he texted me like, "Do you have time for this client? Like I know you have your festival," and I'm like, "I really don't." He's like, "Okay, that's fine. Just had to know." Do you know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like if yeah. I had. Because out of business school, especially like Ross at U of M, you're supposed to get a job. As a in, CEO. As, right. Your first year out. You know, something like that. And I really, like, completely went against the grain and was like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm going to go work for a small firm. Like, just unsubscribe from all of that. So, it was the best decision for me because I definitely wouldn't have actually had the time nor have really committed to the focus. Yeah. Yeah, had I. You know, I think that. That traditional. 
pathway. I think going the route that you did makes you more relatable to mm-hmm. people. Um, because I did the same thing with starting off with the business school and just kind of being like, yeah, probably not. Yeah, I was in business school <laughs> literally because, I mean, in my opinion, business school was teaching students how to be employees. Yeah. And that was just, I think, from a probably like high school, I kind of always felt like I would be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and go like an entrepreneur route. So I, I faced a lot of frustration within business school of just feeling like you're just teaching me how to work for somebody. You're teaching yeah. me inside the box. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm outside the box. Yeah, I think that's so why. kind of frustrating for me. And that's also kind of why I was like, okay, I definitely need a minor because I needed something to give me some balance. And then it was like, okay, I'm going to do community actions those change because that is also something that I'm passionate about. Yeah, I think it it'll it helps in the long run because you're able to identify with both sides of things. Mm-hmm. Like I think I know now with me, sometimes I get so caught up in the business needs at my job that I kind of forget about the person that's attached to doing the business, and it's kind of like, hey, I got a deadline to meet. I don't care about the rest, of, you know, the rest of what's going on in your life. But it'll like with the route that you went, it'll give you that balance to be able to know, like, okay, now I need to focus on the numbers. Okay, now I need to focus on the person. And yeah, and I mean that know. has what. I think that's provided the great balance almost in like the execution of Kindred because it's a lot like okay what is the festival experience and how do we highlight black culture and what do we do that's meaningful okay but how do we make this make sense financially um so you know the business school is definitely helpful in that but I also like tapped um someone who was my mentor going into it who's so smart like was getting 4.2s I said this all the time like she was getting 4.2s at like the fourth ranked undergrad business program in the country. Like she is just phenomenal, a Cass alumni, mm-hmm. Detroit native, beautiful black woman, like just amazing. Um, so she does a lot more of the numbers than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of more of the ideals and big picture mm-hmm. than like, you know, I can do the nuance, but I, I need help. But that's good that you can identify where you're strong and where you need help because I think yeah. a lot of people can't do that or they you have to be able to admit like they don't know where that's not your strong yeah. suit. Like someone else is in charge of production because I went to a meeting with like the production guy that we're working with and he was talking and I was just like shit. <laughs> I'm just like what? Yeah. All of a sudden I don't understand English. I'm like, <laughs> Who? I'm like what does that mean? What you want to oh woofer roof I'm like what are you talking about I'm like this is crazy (laughs) I was like hello Venice can you do my production (laughs) um Venice Session is doing my production and Chelsea Modis is um kind of like more of the finance and logistics Mm -hmm. like I said Chelsea's super smart uh Michigan Ross School of Business also got her master's of accounting works for EY now she's double smart right no she's so smart (laughs) Um, accounting is a special that's only like she double smart no and it's a language of business so it's it's necessary because I did okay in accounting but it just wasn't like my passion obviously and Venice also is a University of Michigan graduate they're both older than than I am um she was the first black woman to graduate with um a sound engineering degree has done production internationally is again another beautiful black woman who is so smart and so capable and so people have asked me like what has been like one of your biggest things with the festival and it's like building my team mm-hmm. and recognizing like you said that I have weaknesses that had to be you know matched and I yeah. went and found people who were smarter than me and that's and I think a lot of people are scared to um, bring other people onto their ideas because they think that other people are going to steal them. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about this with Raphael. Like, if somebody else, 
is going to steal your idea, like, let them, essentially, because they probably don't have the execution. If they was, like, so keen on stealing your idea, then they probably don't have the execution that they need to put it off anyway. Mm -hmm. So building your team, like, you should let people into your ideas, bring people on to help you, because you can't do everything yourself. I think a lot of people, a lot of millennials think that we have to do everything by ourselves. Especially entrepreneurs, we're always, like... That was my baby. My mom literally was like, Leah, she was like, if you think you're going to pull this off by yourself, you're crazy. Shout out to the mom. Right. Shout out to the tough reality. Somebody got to give it to us. Right. (laughs) I'd rather it be my mom than it be a stranger. I'm like, (laughs) then life. You're right. You're right. (laughs) Um, But you know, I was lucky to have people like within my circle who I could like reach out to and they were more than willing to to work with me and just wanted to be a part and even since I announced I've had people kind of like come on and be like no I just really love what you're doing I want to help so yeah it's been a beautiful beautiful thing so with the the journey that you've taken with your like your personal your career as well as with Kendrick what have been some hurdles or hard lessons that you've had to learn so far mm. Things aren't going to go the way you want them to go at all. Um, Would you consider yourself a perfectionist? Or do you like things to go a certain way? Am I a perfectionist? Yes. I mean, I'm like an A-type personality. And so, like, when I want something, I want it. And to me, it's kind of like I said what the fuck I said. (laughs) Um, That's my personality for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a bitch. Uh, and you know, like I'm a really kind person and nice. And like when it's like a social setting, yeah, that's great. When it's, I'm like, I said what I said, and that needs to happen. Um, So perfectionist, yes, and also like I think really big. And so you know, I came into this and wanted. I came in and I wanted this year to be what it's going to be like 10 years from now. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I had to be like, Scale okay, back, yeah. like this is your first year. How do you, why do you think that Nike's going to sponsor you? You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. and just being like, scale it down. Um, focus like this year all on Detroit artists um, because I definitely wanted to grow and to be something where we have national artists. Uh, international, when you think about like, you know, Toronto have, being yeah. four hours away. Um, I wanted to be, I wanted to have the impact in the city like movement does. I wanted to be big within pop culture like a Coachella or a Lollapalooza is. Um, I have a lot of big goals for where I wanted to be and for me the hardest part was kind of being like, okay, this first year is going to be it's first year. A first year. Yeah. That was one of my hardest things. And also, I went, like, back and forth with, like, where it was going to be. And I think it was, like, around February, I was ready to be, like, okay, I'm not doing this. I'll try again next year. Um, shout out to my boo, because he kept me sane. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's been the hardest part. It also, like, it was really hard to kind of like navigated emotionally with my parents especially mm-hmm. um my parents my dad's a dentist and he owns, he owns his own practice mm-hmm. and my mom's a lawyer um and she's you know worked for herself and also worked for others right now she's like senior general counsel for dps super smart woman um but they were professionals. Yeah, so for you to come in and say, hey, I'm about to do a festival, they're probably yeah. like, what the hell? And even for my dad, who, you know, he owns his own practice, so he is, in fact, an entrepreneur. entrepreneur. Yeah. And that's kind of some of the times where we're very similar. I hate to admit it, but me and my dad are very similar. <laughs> we're like, I'm him, 
I think only I'm better because I can admit my my weaknesses. You know, that's neither here nor there. I love him. Um, But, you know, I was kind of like, you guys were professionals and yes, you did entrepreneurial things. But there was also like a clear path laid out to get Mm -hmm. there. And for me, it's kind of like, I'm going to throw a festival. How the fuck do you do that? Yeah. Blueprint for that. When you're just a 23 year old who really doesn't have any money. Um, You know, not like, I don't have a small, (laughs) I don't have a small loan of a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? Um, (laughs) So they were just a bunch of figuring it out. Yeah, it was a lot. It's, it's, before I came here, it was a lot of fucking figuring it out. Okay, when I leave here, it's going to be a lot of fucking figuring figure it, it out. out. So buy your tickets if you're listening. Because um, it's going to be figured out on July. Figure it out. Figure it out by July 21st. Right, you're going to show up July 21st like, who was you talking about? Out. She figured it out. Right. Um, but yeah, so, and, and you know, it's it's tough. I'm a very emotional person also. Like, I'm very contradictory in that way. So... <laughs> You know, moving through this and wanting my family's support and acceptance and not getting it was really tough for me. Um, Cause like, who do you who do you go to? And I'm not like I'm like an isolated person. Like I'm I go out and everyone hi Leon. I'm like hi, and I'm super social, but like. I'd rather be at home. So you mean, like, yeah, yeah <laughs> like I'd rather an introverted extrovert. extrovert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, and I, my family really is like my rock. So mm-hmm. for my mom and dad to just kind of be like, why didn't you get it? Why didn't you get an accounting accounting degree? Mm-hmm. Pretty much um, was their thing. And why don't you get a real job? But you know, I think that that mindset or that ideal is. With a lot of parents. No, it is, absolutely. And I've had this conversation with a lot of people because about they, this parents, experience. In a sense, they want you to be stable. They want you to be happy. They want and you I to be get successful. That, absolutely. But I, in my mind, I'm like... This is my... I'm path. the most... Like, my wealth and my happiness relying on me hitting my goals and hitting the the things that I say I'm going to do is so much more stable than getting a job where I can be terminated in two weeks. Yeah. Health insurance is in limbo. Like, you have all these different factors. I, you know, and I I took a bet on myself. I'm taking a bet on myself, and I'm taking a bet on the universe working in my favor. Um, Sometimes it's just what you have to do. Like, you'll never figure it out if you don't do it. Yeah, like, and that was one of my things. You never learn. Like, and when I was, when, like, that February time was hitting and I was like, no, I'm going to, I had to say to myself, I'm like, what are you, I was like, Leah, like, okay, you're going to quit and what? Like, what do you do? How do you, knowing who you are, like, make that make sense in your head? Mm-hmm. How do you continue to just go to work every day and know that you're not really working for something or working towards something that's your own? Um, and I know that that was just something that as hard as being an entrepreneur is, and it's really fucking hard, and I cry all the time. Um, I think we all, all like, do. Yeah. Just, we all should be on like some type of app or something. We just like, call each other like, yeah, okay, like, it's my I'm day having to cry. a really sad day. Um, I think for me, not doing this would be even worse. Yeah. Um, by it's, far. It's always that potential of like... I knew I could do it. Why didn't I? Why didn't yeah. I? I'd and rather, then, like, take a risk and fail than to regret not taking it. Absolutely. Risk. Absolutely. Um, and when my parents started coming around, one of the things my dad said to me, he was like, you know, I always thought there should have been an NBA team in Toronto. And then someone did it. And now they're a billionaire. Mm-hmm. 
And he was like, you know, I don't get it, but I get it. Um, and my mom is, you know, now helping me with all my contracts and, you know, helping me try to get sponsors. And so, you know, that transition now has been a relief. Um, but it was a, it was a long time coming and it was tough. That was the hardest part. And also now a hard part is the fact that like, I don't hang out with my family as much as I used to. And I don't also, like, I also don't feel bad about it because it's just, like, this is just where I am in this phase of life. And I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing to kind of... Yeah. It's like parents, when you have an idea or when you have a concept and it's not, they don't see you working on it, they're like, mm-mm, go to somewhere stable, do something more reliable. But then when you actually start doing it, you actually start putting things in the works, you actually start moving When they towards, can see things happening. That's when they're like, huh, okay, maybe this can work. Maybe <laughs> For Maybe me, she's not as crazy as we thought she was. Right. For me, it's kind of the opposite. Like, mm. my mom, and I always kind of credited to the fact that she was so young when she had me. She was 19 when she had me. So, we kind of grew up together. Mm-hmm. If I called my mama right now and was like, hey, I'm about to quit my job and do some random project, she'd be like, okay, cool. Like, I'm not paying your bills, but I'll support you, though. But you know like, what? You know what I mean? Like, she's always My mom is the same way, because that's, that's exactly what I did. I said, mama, I'm about to quit this job. Mm-hmm help like if you think I'm doing something crazy tell me she was like if you need to quit that job quit, quit. yeah my like, mom, if you need now to my grandparents <laughs> the Man. oh my god now I will one of them I love my grandmas I love my grandmas but and I feel bad because I kind of got an attitude she have you thought about getting a corporate and I was like <laughs> have you thought like, about not telling me to get a corporate right <laughs> I was and I was I went to you know a monologue I was like you know how many people got fired during the recession? Lost everything, mm-hmm. didn't pay for anything because they were relying on another person to pay their bills? Like, you know, and that was a summary. That's like my quick summary. Yes. I'm not going to repeat it all. But you know what I mean? I'm like... Listen here. Being an employee is not, like, stable. And it's not it's not the most terrible thing either. Like, if you, yeah, like you not don't to have the it. desire to be a creative and be an entrepreneur, then being... Yeah, no, be you know what I mean? mean? And it all depends on people. Because I'm like, yeah. entrepreneurship is definitely not for everybody. Absolutely. And for sure. For, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm not scary. mad at them at all. And I think that, right, like, for me, I live by the mantra that entrepreneurship is freedom. Because that's, you know, that's my world and that's the the little bubble that I choose to have created and I live in. And I think that for a lot of, to like most extent, like we all kind of live in our own world. Yeah. Um, And so like, that's just like my rule, but that doesn't apply to everyone by any means. Yeah. And you have to find what makes you happy. And for some people it's like having a stable job and knowing that food's on the table and that they can, you know, take care of their kids and having responsibilities. I'm like, I'm 23. I got nobody to worry about myself. So I'm going to do this now when I'm young, and if I fail, then I fail, and I have this 40 years to try again and do it right. But if you succeed, then you have... Then I'm trying to... When you succeed, let me right, rephrase yes, that. Yeah. When you succeed, you'll be like, your grandkids going to be like, yeah, my grandma that's started a this of, festival. That's, and a it's black, that's a lot of brown kids on your Forbes list, okay? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's my mood. I'm Because I'm, I want to build Kendra Media Entertainment to something that's generational. So what do you what do you want people to get from the uh, Kendrick Music and Culture Festival? Or yeah. what story do you want to tell? I don't know. That's a tough question. It's I think it's like in my head I have like this whole idea and this whole vision, but it's hard to to put it to words when you think about it so much in your head. And then people are like, "So what do you want it to be?" Um, 
But I really want it to be like a moment in space and time where black people who show up differently mm-hmm. can come into this space and feel like they belong, um, feel like they're being represented, feel like there's like this sense of camaraderie and community, um, and especially thinking about this first year being focused on Detroit. Um, just wanting to highlight like the culture that really comes out of Detroit because I mean, do you guys saw the guy from California who literally stole Dex on some song? Yes. Oh my God. Pissed. Pissed. And he I probably thought so he mad. probably thought he could get away with but it you know because what's crazy it was is, like a Detroit rapper. I've been seeing like before and everybody in years. California right now sounds just like this. Yeah, I've been seeing that comparison. Like, oh yeah, Detroit and Atlanta. Uh, no, 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 Detroit, Detroit and like Oakland. the Bay. Yeah, yeah the Bay yeah. area. And I'm like, no, Detroit is Detroit. Oakland is Oakland. Like y'all had that whole hyphy movement. Stay there. Stay there. Nobody. But one thing about like I think that people fail to realize about Detroit is that once you get on the good side of Detroiters. <laughs> We're very, very loyal, loyal. To, yeah. to things. So, like, like you said, them posting that video, and they were like, "Oh, it's just some Detroit rappers, cool." And they probably were like, and not to sound insensitive, they're probably like, "Oh, he's dead. Like, nobody's gonna, you know what I'm saying? Like, nobody's gonna know." No, that's how I think they thought. Yeah, him dead. and then it's like, little did you know? Then here comes Detroit. Like, oh hell no! Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you tried it. You stole the music, and like we're we're on it. So I was literally listening to it. Like, it's like this is Dex. He changed a few words. words, but I'm like, wow, like, this is plagiarism. Okay, this is textbook. <laughs> You're theory. going to jail. Yes. Right? I'm like, can we sue? Somebody. Somebody Matt said sue. he drafting a lawsuit right now. Like, get on it, Matt. Matt. <laughs> the panty lawyer. Right. Moet Matt. <laughs> but um, I know, like, for me, looking at the lineup initially, um, for me, the story was Detroit is is vast. I think that yes. a lot of people look yes. at Detroit music and they think either like Motown or they think Eminem or they think like this one directional idea of what Detroit music is supposed to sound. And then when you look at this lineup, you have so many different, like you have a unique collective of artists who are who sound different, but they all represent Detroit proudly. Like it's so great. I'm happy and then that's you have how you felt when you yeah. saw it because that's what I was trying to do. Yeah. Um and then you have D Lo as like the host and D Lo even D Lo has her own presence as a Detroiter. Yeah. Like it's just the baddest to everybody. Yes, the baddest. <laughs> But just look, I was I looked at the lineup and I was like, okay, this is Detroit. Like this, I can tell somebody like this is Detroit. You got payroll on there. You got Super Cool Wicked, Bev. Like you got so many different people who are from the city, but they still represent the city. So that was a great experience for me when I looked at it. Like, oh, okay, I, okay, I know this list. Right. <laughs> that was my goal. I like you said. I mean. There's this narrative of what Detroit sounds like right now, for sure. And there's a sound that gets, like, all the attention um, in Detroit. And I I like the sound, and I support it, and I embrace it. But that's not the only thing Detroit is capable of. Mm -hmm. And that's not the only way Detroit can show up. Mm -hmm. And so one of my things is showing that, like, Detroit is a monolithic. Blackness is a monolithic. Um, And so, right, you pick a lineup that represents... A lot of different groups within the cities, um, a lot of different sounds within the cities, and I think 
one of my not I think but one of my my goals is for the festival as it grows to kind of situate Detroit as a cultural capital and mm-hmm. I think that happens when we show that there's more to Detroit than just one sound um I mean like you think about outcasts and they used to be like you know the whole movement of the south has something to say i think it's very much so like the midwest oh kind yeah of like absolutely we we are overlooked a lot and there's a lot of talent that comes out of here and i mean so much talent has come out of michigan it's ridiculous and so many sounds have been formed here like house music was created here yeah the most talented sound you have jay dilla like and those and Aaliyah, and you know what i mean and those yeah. people they're not one in a million you know, to be cliche, but there are only a one in a million who get the shot when they're from Detroit and when Detroit isn't viewed as a place where you go to find talent. And so I just, I want to, I want to change that and I want to shift that narrative. And I also, as it grows and we bring in regional and national international acts and people travel to Detroit for the festival, black people, um, I kind of, you know, I hope that they're like, oh, Detroit's kind of cool. I can see myself living in Detroit. And then there becomes like, you know, almost like this renaissance of like black people. The same way that a Brooklyn gets. Like people That's like black people say. love moving to Brooklyn, but I want black people to like love the idea of moving to Detroit. When you think about the fact that there are houses that they could buy mm-hmm. that are so affordable and that they mm-hmm. could, you know, help really improve our neighborhoods and the way that the city operates and we can really have like a black renaissance here because there's so much room and space for that to happen here. Yeah, like when I saw like the first kind of announcements and like promotion for it, I was excited because like as a festival goer, like me and her travel to festivals festivals all the time. And then I've also gone to like Afropunk. And part of my issue with Afropunk is I'm like, you have the whole, like you have Detroit. Why have you never come this way? Like mm-hmm. you got the whole Midwest. You then went to Paris. Then it had Afropunk in Africa, I think. Mm-hmm. You got Brooklyn. You got Atlanta. No, the Midwest is overlooked, and that's you know, as a business person, it's recognizing like where there's room to introduce a service or product, and mm-hmm. there is the space and room to do a black festival within the Midwest. Absolutely. When you think about just the fact that like you know the Great Migration, we saw this huge movement of black mm-hmm. people to this midwest region but yeah you got like st not- louis you got chicago you got detroit like you got this whole region that's essentially ignored yeah that's crazy to think that that like even happens yeah like, what do you what do you think happens here like why why not give it a chance like i don't understand anything. so that's how we ended up here with kindred Music yes <laughs> So, what are some things that festival goers need to know before attending? Um, when does this air? Uh, tomorrow. Okay. So, <laughs> so, you need to buy your tickets before the end of the day, Wednesday, which is the 18th, 11.59. Ticket prices will go up. Right now, you can still buy tickets for $35 um, in round one of general admission. When those are sold out, we'll move to round two, which is $45 tickets. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, Wednesday, $11.59, um, it's $60 tickets, and that's just the flat. It won't go up from that, but that's what it's going to be like at the door. We're not technically selling tickets at the door. Um, Eventbrite will still be live until we hit our capacity. Um, to do, do uh, kind of like stadium rules for bags and stuff so like, like that. Yeah, like, so like fanny bag packs, clear backpacks, fanny packs. Like fannies, I really like. I'm like bring encouraged. a fanny. <laughs> fannies are encouraged. Um, I would bring a blanket for sitting. There's gonna be food trucks, um, vendors, face painting and body paint. We're gonna have sketch artists. 
um, tarot card readings. Okay. So it's you a know, vast experience. It's an experience. Yes. You know? Shrey and I are avid festival goers. Yes. That's yeah. what I was just going to ask. Like, we, so our very first year going to the Roots Picnic mm. was, were, like, we were unprepared. Yeah. We were, like, real life freshmen to, to the event. Going, yeah. We didn't know the lineup. Uh, we just knew that the doors opened at 11 in the morning. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that the Roots weren't going to hit the stage until to 10 like p.m. 10 p.m. Yeah. So we were there. <laughs> From yeah. 11 a.m. to, to like, 10 yeah. to about so, like midnight, midnight, 1 o'clock. Let me mention that, that the gates will open at noon and they'll close at 9. Um, and performances, the first DJ set, which opens up, you know, the performances mm-hmm. will start at 1.45. Um, and payroll should end about 8. So one of the things, like the first year, I'm like, let's not spread it out too much. Just kind of keep it compact. One stage. Um, you know, we're... We're in the day. We're not going to go into the night. Um, yeah, we were dead. We were. We didn't know we were it was going to be multiple we stages. Know. We didn't know we were going to be there all day. We were yeah. lost. Like we just. We didn't have any like check Twitter when we were already inside, and they were telling us where to check for updates. And then we realized like. Then of course everybody on their phone. So signal shoddy. Like yeah, it was phones just, were dying. We were dying because <laughs> we were hungry and hot. Irritated. Um, yeah, tan lines. It was just a lot going on. Festivals are an experience. Yes. yes. They're an experience. Stay hydrated, folks. Yes. Like, yeah. Stay hydrated. <laughs> stay, stay hydrated. Yeah. Comfortable. And prepare for anything. Like, even if it's, like, supposed to be rainy, prepare for the sun. If it's supposed, like, if it's, it's supposed to be sunny, prepare for the rain. shoes. Yes. Shoes, yeah. Don't try to be so cute sad. in heels or nothing. Please don't. We're on grass. <laughs> you can always see the, like, first time festival goers and they, like, with they stilettos. Oh, my girl. Mm-hmm. You can go fall. Before the night is over. girl a blanket. Please. <laughs> Somebody get her sick. some slides. <laughs> so, how did you come up with the name Kindred? And what ah. does it mean to you? Kindred was a long process coming up with the name. Um, I literally like spent like maybe like two months just like googling words and <laughs> sounds like sounds trying to figure out um, kind of like I guess I would say I did a lot of like what's I don't soul searching no synonyms. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, like the source. words that are very similar. Yeah, yeah. No, I was in the store. Listen, the source, like, huh? That leads to this. This leads to this. This leads to this. We've been there. Nah, nah, nah. We were looking in different like, languages. languages. <laughs> no, I'm saying. We're like, mm, we're no, it was a process, and then it was like, I don't know how I ended up at Kindred. Like now, I'm like, I don't know how I ended up. When I did, it was like. It's it gives me like this very ancestral like link. Yes, and that's when I landed on. I was like, that's what it is. And you know, like we call our festival attendees and our team like the kinfolk. Um, it's like you know of relation to one another. And for me, in this idea that like wanting to show black people is not monolithic, of relation is like exactly what we're trying to do you and i are not the same like that's fair we have different experiences we like different things but we are we're linked yeah yeah we're linked when i think kindred i think like it makes me feel like comfortable like, yeah because I'm everybody's not the same yeah and that's so why we're all people to there. so it makes sense yeah when i landed and i was like <laughs> i was like this is it and it was like literally like a wave of knowing washed over me like something you read out of a book <sighs> Like, yeah, lights come down and like bathe you. Genuinely, in. that was us. I was texting people like, "I found it. It's kindred." I, and I was like, like, "We're gonna 
had people around me, kindred spirits and kinfolk, and then I was just like, God. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, it that was like, right, for sure. The spotlight came on, and you're like, Yes, yes we, we got, got it. it. We got this. <laughs> so, what, um, or excuse me, what other avenues are you looking to add to the festival down the line? Um, I kind of like in the long term want it to be similar to our Basel how it's like a weekend event so a two-day festival but also having like thursday and friday where it's like i said like people from all over can gather here as black people host their events show their brand i would love to also have kind of like um like a staple event that's similar to ted talks Mm -hmm. but focuses on things that relate more so to black people and people of color um, whether that be, you know, thinking about how we, as black people on Twitter, make sure we are taking ownership of the content we create. Um, or, you know, those studies that have come out about, like, how, um, like, generational traumas passed down. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, conversations like that. Um, how we can effectively enter uh, politics. How we can make sure that we are well represented. Like, you know what I mean? Just, like, yeah. things that raise the black consciousness um really but yeah i wanted to to turn into like a like kindred weekend all right that's lit it sounds like we'll be on board with that yes yeah. indeed all right well guys it's time for us to take another break it's so hot we need the air yes yes so we'll be back so we'll be back <laughs> If you want to check out the new kids on a more individual level, you can follow me at Jermaine Pencil, that's G-E-R-M-A-I-N-E-P-E-N-T-S-I-L. You can follow Shariah at at Shariah M, that's S-H-Y-R-I-A-H-M. Anyways, so, um, what other... Yeah, avenues are you currently working in? And I, I kind of want her to touch on this because, I mean, she talked about her PR work. Mm-hmm. And then I want you to talk a little bit about Brainwash. Just yeah, time. yeah. Big plug to Brainwash. So I'm also um, managing editor for Brainwash Media, which is my dear friend, Ayanna McNeil, who is based in Brooklyn. It's her baby. Um, we met maybe like three years ago. We both received scholarships um through BRAG, which is a New York-based um, program that gives scholarships to people of color who want to work in the fashion industry and also helps situate them with internships. And we met, and it was like one of those moments like, you're like, am I in a mirror? Like, you're mm-hmm. just like me. I like you. Um, and we just stayed very close in contact. Um, and we're always supporting each other. And when she was, like, launching Brainwash, she would, like, you know, bounce ideas off of me. And then it kind of got to a point where I was like, you know, like, I can take on a role in managing editor if you like. Um, so it was a platform that she created because she felt a need to, she felt there was a need for a platform that caters and lets people of color and black people tell their stories in a authentic way. And Maine has yes. contributed, um, which is wonderful because like the black kink, like you have mentioned previously, is not something that we talk about. Um, you know, I think, you know, I'm like, it probably has a history of like black people being over sexualized, and then it's like, hey, now we don't want to step into like these quote unquote like super it's sexual. It's about taking agency yeah. of our own like sexuality, image, yeah, our own sexuality, our own like 
present and then recognizing how we can take control of our lives and use different avenues within, you know, the world to kind of help us deal with the type of trauma that And that's that why we... she writes her brainwash now. <laughs> because of everything she just said. Um, because that's not something that you hear from, like, black people often, mm-hmm. especially young black people. Yeah. Um, and it's a voice that needs to be heard, and so that is what we try to do. Um, are you guys familiar with Trappa Kanna? Like, um, yeah. Yes, so you have probably seen, like, her mother was murdered by police officers in Las Vegas. So Mm -hmm. she's going to be writing a piece for us about her experience, um, you know, and that process. And so it's really, you know, giving people who otherwise, like, where would they tell these stories a place to to go? Um, And we have, you know, a team, um, like you work with Gamal, Mm -hmm. who is a phenomenal writer, um, and he helps, you know, bring out really, like, the best in people's writing to me. He, he's extraordinary. Um, I think he can really help like the nuance of yeah. things. Um, and Ayana's just like, you know, she understands people and she understands the stories that are needed to be had. And, you know, I'm just like, I'm just like a conduit. I just help where needed. The vision. I'm like the logistical um All these people, piece. though, they work to help bring the vision to life. Together, yeah. yeah. And that's the goal. And it is, again, always... Wanting to give people a color platform, really. Um, and that's why I was drawn to want to work with her. So I also do that. Um, I love working with Brainwash. Anne is amazing. Kamal is amazing. Um, our contributors are amazing and talented and all have voices and stories and opinions and thoughts that deserve to be to be shared. It sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like... Because <laughs> it it, it's a lot, like... When you think about it, it's like the music festival, the PR, writing. I do. It's like when I, everything when goes I into you. Have a moment <laughs> to stop. Like, I'm asleep. Thank you. A mood. We literally <laughs> go on staycations to sleep. Sleep. We, we were in Philly knocked out. We missed everything else because we were asleep. We were asleep. <laughs> and people like my friends like, I'm gonna sleep for a week after the festival you my scene, like my other scene friends they did they'd be like, why are you always sleep I'm like look I'm working on a book a second book a paper five articles I got like five clients first of all she's I'm being sleeping. very modest a paper equals a dissertation, <laughs> dissertation. <laughs> like, I'm trying to graduate that's not a that's not a paper that's, no, that's really another book <laughs> that's my three books right now yeah I'm doing a lot I'm juggling a lot um, I don't know, but I don't know how not to. I was I was gonna ask you like, does it feel weird when you don't have a lot of projects yes. going on? It freaks me out. I feel like bored. Not even bored. I feel like I'm a failure. I feel. I always feel like if I don't have at least like two or three things rolling up around the same time, I feel like I'm not doing, doing everything it, that I yeah. could be doing. Yeah. You know, I've read stuff where like that's a product of the capitalistic society, and I'm like, it definitely is. Um, because I'm like, if I feel like I, I can admit that, like. I subscribe to it. Like, if I do not feel like I'm being productive or creating something or contributing, I just kind of, like, feel like I'm lost in the sauce. Yeah. I feel like I'm just wasting space. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I prefer to be busy. But the weird part is I don't feel like that when I'm asleep. Like, I feel like the sleep part is, like, not (laughs) I feel like I honestly dream of things that I need to do. I have a of more sleep. Nope. (laughs) Like, I have... I wake up, like, I remember one night I literally woke up and I just, like, wrote a page of, like, notes of things I need to do. Yeah, I do that. I wake up in the middle of the night and, like... But I've read, I've read things how, 
when you're asleep because you're not thinking about anything like you're able to subconsciously like just think yeah i think for me when i'm asleep i'm able to receive things more yeah like you know what i mean like i'm able to truly take them in because i'm like okay i'm asleep i don't have to yeah i'm like i'm not required to do all the ways Mm -hmm. in which i would say don't think about that or like filter other Mm -hmm. you know just filter things like kind of you don't have as many distractions falls away Sleep is amazing. And no, I sleep wish is so good. that like in kindergarten, like I wish I took advantage of the nap times, bro. Uh when I when like Kindred Media Entertainment, like, you know, is a big company and we have offices and stuff, it's like I'm like nap room. You need to take a nap right now. You're just not You're crazy. I, I just need you to give me a badge to your office so like I can just come in and take naps. Like they're gonna be like, she don't even work here. That's cool. I just need to take a nap. Did y'all see that girl? <laughs> She sleep. Randomly sleep. Hey, I told you leave her alone. <laughs> that's me. She sleep. She got a blanket. No, she could. Sleep. People. That's like a. That's a hard thing about entrepreneurship. I'm like, I do not sleep. Um, it, it sucks. The I'm like, I don't take baths anymore. I don't sleep anymore. Um, the things that you do to relax, like you, my you find self, yourself. I'm like, I do not work out anymore. My nails are atrocious. My skin care routine has fallen off like you know the, the crazy part about it is like because with my consulting i've been focusing more on helping the entrepreneur themselves mm. develop so like you're literally doing everything that i would tell a client not to do like and i think i'm guilty of it too like i'll be like no don't be like i hate when i hear people like oh, i can sleep when i'm dead like, no, no, I want to sleep. I want to sleep. I just don't. Because if you did, you're gonna be dead. dead. Like, <laughs> if you did, you dead, bro. My no, cousin, sleep, I mean, there, there are definitely, absolutely times where I'm like, no, I am not functioning to my capability. I'm like, I'm gonna sleep, or I'm gonna actually take a night to like take a bath. And like, like tonight, I'm probably gonna take a bath. I won't do it last night, but then Westworld, and I had to catch up, and it's already I've been prolonging again. I was like, I'm gonna sleep and watch Westworld. And the last episode was two hours, and oh. it's like two o'clock, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I could have been asleep, I should have been asleep, but here's pop culture, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, I want to watch TV, but I want to sleep, what am I going to do? Watch TV. Um, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to take care of yourself. Yeah, it is. I think it's important to have people around you that'll like, be like, hey, you're, you're falling, you're going off the deep end. <laughs> Come back. So, like, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, we want to surround ourselves with, like, people who are going to be like, yes, this is a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. No, great idea. I need yeah. people who are like, girl. No, sit down. Because um, it's funny. Know, it's like, stop texting me. Go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> like, go, go to sleep. I'm like, I don't want to go to bed. I want to talk about this. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> But sometimes you're just, it's tough. It is. Yeah. It, it really is. Cause you entrepreneurship is really tough for a lot of reasons, and that's why I'm like, Shh, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Yeah. I wonder if it would have been easier to handle if like I had known more about it as a as a kid. Hmm. Access. Like you know, we. I I don't know about y'all, but I didn't have a lot of access to it. I don't know a lot of people. I did. Like that. I did, and business. I will say that I don't think having access necessarily like teaches you like. How to do it the right way because mm-hmm. a lot of people in life don't do things the right way you know what i mean and i'm pretty it's sure fun, you can be, and i feel like i was the, and especially in this space i think you know like when i'm an entrepreneur and i'm making money and i can afford to delegate everything to other people and i can afford to have a trainer and i can afford to mm-hmm. go to a dermatologist once a 
a month and to my get my facial once a week like you know what I mean then I'll feel like I'm taking care of myself because there's like also right now I'm like I have a limited amount of money in my bank account because everything else is kindred you know what I'm saying yeah. so it's also like this balance of my resources at uh-huh. this moment because I'm a young person pursuing entrepreneurship because I'm like I'm sure there's like you guys watch Billions yeah Bobby oh well Bobby actually you know like he has everything and like works out and like you know when you get to a certain point of entrepreneurship you don't do anything you just delegate and you just have to come up with ideas or you're saying yes I like that no I don't like that yeah I mean even when you think about like movies like uh, Devil Wears Prada she was like no yes no yes get out of my face like yeah, I was watching you go where and just bring me the result bring me yeah okay. yes I was uh, reading something by whatever this guy's name is Vander whatever his name is I can't remember. uh the news guy the entrepreneur the white guy was wears like jeans and t-shirts and he's always cussing I can't think of what his name is I mean Anyways. that's that's like okay. <laughs> oh my god I can't think of what his name is but he was saying like part of being an entrepreneur was realizing that he didn't have to know how, how to do something he had to be smart enough to hire somebody to do it so that, it I mean like, that's you know, what I feel like with building my team like yeah and that's like part of what Maine said like you have to be able to recognize your shortcomings or else you're not actually going to be able to get anywhere you have to get absolutely so how would you encourage or like what would you say to someone who is young and trying to get into the media and entertainment industry um what do I say my biggest thing is like um I think it's important to know the path you want to go to some extent but one of my biggest things is like you have to be able to pivot and know that things will not go the way you want um you might not end up exactly where you want to be but you do have to make the most um I think also within the media and entertainment world like it's a lot of relationship building which you know is honestly true through a lot of different industries but media entertainment especially because like for the lineup putting the lineup together mm-hmm. i knew most of the artists enough to just reach out to them do you know what i mean so it yeah. was like going through hoops and even to some extent like you know i have some like you know six t- degrees of separation with artists who i might want to reach out to next year who are a little bit bigger and things like that so it is a lot of relationship building um and again, I mean, I think that a lot of business principles, you know, you can apply them to all industries, but for media, there's so much content coming out right now. I think you really have to be able to pinpoint what your niche is and like what you're doing and what you're like, what you're actually providing and is figuring out if that's something that people want. So like yeah. I said, with the festival, we are mid the Midwest is an overlooked place, Detroit, especially, um, doesn't really have any festival at all. Um, well, I mean, we have Mopop, we have Movement. But, but I mean, it, it could be bigger. Cater, that even cater to black people in a, in a slight way. Like, there's no, like, you know what I mean? Like, even, like, a Governor's Ball in New York or a Lollapalooza or a Coachella. Like, you know, black people still go. Black people don't go to... I mean, black people go to Movement. I don't want to say that. Yeah, but it could be bigger. Yeah. Um, like, you know, if you're creating a podcast, it's like, what makes your podcast different from the next one because we see when it comes to content like you know a flooding of stuff um and that's the toughest thing in media entertainment like how do you differentiate yourself like how do you make people want to engage with whatever you're creating or how do you make them want to go to your event versus the other one yeah i think that's 
I think you have a point there because oftentimes we see like there's this repetition of um, different types of events, but what make like what makes you stand out? What makes you important? Why should I spend my money with you versus with somebody else? Um, and I think a lot of people struggle with trying to figure out that answer, but oftentimes the answer is probably the easiest answer to get outside of all the other work that you're doing because it's like, what makes you different? Why do you want people to come to you? I think a lot of people also need to realize you can make yourself, you can highlight your differences without bashing other people. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, you can you can promote your stuff with and be like, oh, you can I'm be the best because I'm without X, tearing down yeah. other people. Absolutely. And I think, I think that shows that you're a good business person. Yeah. If you have to tear someone down to prove that your product is better, then it's probably not good. Yeah. yeah. It, it reminds me of um, in Gabrielle Union's book when she was talking about like, okay, so you just sat here and you tore this woman down, but did you get her man? Like, did you get like, yeah. you know, what did she you get from this? She has. She's talked about like yeah. that concept, and I was like, really, honestly. Um, yeah, like if you, if as a business person, as someone who's doing something, you're walking around like bad mouthing the next promoter, like unless you have like a real beef with them because of who knows what happened, like if you're just like I'm gonna talk shit about them because the worse people view theirs, the more they'll come to mine, mm-hmm. then you are not doing your job of creating events that are a true experience mm-hmm. and that people will just love because they love it. You're just like, you know, another person in the market just trying to find a little way to get above. And if that has to be talking bad about someone, like, you need to probably find a a new job. (laughs) And it doesn't, like, it doesn't create longevity. Nope. Like, people, like you said, they're being spiteful. Like, oh, I'm going to go to this event just because I don't like the the same girl that she don't like. Or How long is that going to last? And then after you're going to go there, you're going to go to the event, and then they're never going to come again. Yeah. And I mean, that's what, I mean, you know, it, it's genuine for me, but, like, I really do want to just be a positive person. Like, I don't yeah. like to put out bad energy or, you know, and if I there is something that I don't vibe with there, you know, it's just like, hey, I won't be there. Like, I'm just mind my business and, like, watch Netflix. Do you know what I mean? Versus yeah. feeling the need to go out your way to to talk poorly about someone doesn't really make sense. It doesn't like get brilliance and what does that actually do for you? Yeah, and I never like, that was never something that I considered. Even Like I just, I've never really had the energy to just sit around and just be bashing somebody like forever. And yeah. then like, to me just that it never made sense. Like what am, what am I gonna get from it? But I didn't think of it in the, in the sense of I'm wasting time doing this when I could have been doing something else for mm-hmm. myself in the time that I spent. Mm-hmm. I'm getting more energy talking about you than trying to figure out the ways like, I'm yeah. about to make money. Crazy, man. You ain't paying my bills, girl. Shh. <laughs> Honestly. Honestly. <laughs> so what is the uh, best piece of business advice you would, or excuse me, you could give to your past self? Mm. Would or could, I guess, work there. The best piece of advice. I'm trying to think of a good one. It's like a tough one. I mean, again, my one of my biggest things is knowing how to build a team around you because you can't do anything by yourself. Um, again, in business, I think it's people don't research. I don't think people research the industries in which That's they want to be in enough. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm interested in like starting a podcast network after this. And I literally have just 
right? I haven't done anything with podcasts yet, but I've probably spent at least a hundred hours just like reading about mm-hmm. podcasts, and, like where you can put them and like little tips and blah, blah, blah. And you know what I mean? All this mm-hmm. type of things. I literally printed out like this 200 page festival, uh, thrower's Bible, like, and read it. Um, the yeah. guy dating was like, when I saw you like sit down and actually just like read the festival throwers, I was like, oh, she's different. <laughs> um, I think there's, I mean, you know, I did industry reports on live events and also yeah. like I've researched and I think that is so important because you can't really go because I mean, there's so many things that go into, especially if you're trying to create a business that's not just, you know, a fad. If you want to create a business that you want to see grow for the next 25 years and if you want to create something that's wealth versus like making you wit you rich and if you want it to be something that you can pass down to your kids it has to be a sound business through and through and you have to know how to you know write your taxes off mm-hmm. and how to incorporate and be an llc and how to write contracts and how to read contracts and all this stuff like there's so much research that goes into things and with the internet i please pray that we do not lose net neutrality um like you can do it and you can find the best ways to achieve things and I, I, I just I don't think people research yeah. things enough yeah. um, because also if you start researching you'll recognize that there's so many ways to make money like you can be you can be the tent company you can be the fencing company because I'm paying those motherfuckers yes. a lot of money Listen. like I'm like I'm gonna start a fencing company like that's, that's my opinion that's me all day at work. I'm like, and you, I'm it's needed everywhere. <laughs> it's needed everywhere. Like, I'm going to start the company that, oh, you know what I was talking about the other day? Uh, U.S. Ice. I'm yep. like, how much money do you think they make? Quarter potty. To freeze some water. Mm. It's all about just, like, going for the idea. Like, yeah, marketing I mean, it and making it. Uh, yeah. It's about, you know, literally, like, looking and seeing how can I make money. Because I think, you know, unfortunately... Within the black community, we see a lot of the same business ventures. Mm-hmm. Um, companies. You know, the list goes on yeah. and on. Um, <laughs> and that prevents us from really having a true black economy. Because mm-hmm. there has to be different products. Yeah, that's that's the only way it works. Yeah. Like, you can't have an economy with Like, why doesn't t-shirts? someone, like, <laughs> build refrigerators? Stuff that we use, like... And it's, I think it like it shows a lot about how I was reading this article saying that so many people were for, focused on going to four-year colleges that a lot of the trades are getting lost, like welding or, you know, heating and cooling. Those kind of things mm-hmm. are becoming rare for people to do, but we obviously still need them done. Yeah, and then the people who do end up doing them are going to make so much money. Right. Yeah. Like contractors, like if you own a contracting business, you can make so much money. Yeah, absolutely. Or you end up like working in those industries meanwhile you have a degree in like bioengineering you've paid fifty thousand i want to drop out of school by junior so badly yeah you've paid you paid all this money and like or got racked up all this debt and student loans and then realized you could have went to trade school for what you actually like we're gonna end up doing yeah like research yeah 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 so building a building a team that that has strengths that complement your weaknesses um, researching whatever it is that you want to do, the industry understand like you know what are the inputs, what are the outputs, what's the distribution channels, um, 
you know, how do you, how do you target your market? You know, for me entertainment, like, yeah, you, you know, it's social media. If you're a business to business type company, which make, they make a lot of money, B2B mm-hmm. businesses, you're, you're not doing social media. You're, you know, you're working internally and, you know, reaching out to companies like, you know what I mean? Direct like, contact. Yeah. So there's, there's so many ways to make money. And so it's, if I was to give like, you know, overall business advice, it would literally be like, build your core team. Um, make sure you all bring different skill sets. Make sure that you all have different ideas. Make sure it's not a bunch of yes. Um, that there's, you know, some conflict, good conflict. And to, to do research before you, you know, just jump into an endeavor. So how do you stay inspired? Like, um, how do you make sure you don't get burned out? Do you have a favorite podcast, book, Netflix series? <sighs> I don't know. That's a hard question because I am burnt out. Oh, <laughs> good job of it. Um, shit. <laughs> I'm like thinking. I'm like, damn, Lee, you're doing a bad job of not being burnt out. Um, <laughs> burnout is, but, is yeah. real. And I, you know, I have a, I do a good job. It's just like I'm like in this crunch phase at the mm-hmm. festival, so it's like I'm just like all I do is think about the festival. So what about after the festival? So right. what are you gonna do to unwind and um, chill? If it's successful and financially, you know, sound, I'm for sure gonna take a trip. I love traveling. Um, I really want to take a trip by myself. Um, I would love to go to like France. Um, I'm definitely gonna read. I'm definitely gonna read. I haven't read in such a long time. Do you have a particular like type of books that you like to read, or just kind of anything? <sighs> you know, I've recently been into um, collection like. Uh, short story collections. Okay. Um, I read Difficult Woman by, um, oh, darn it. I'm like, oh, her name was on the tip of my tongue. Ah, damn. Difficult Woman. But it was a, an excellent um, collection of short stories. Just, you know, highlighting different women who are quote unquote difficult, okay. but who are representative of, like, you know, all of us. I guess I, I love books written by black women um, naturally because yeah. I feel like I can relate the most to them. Um, I like a little bit um, of like, you know, that touch of sci-fi. I read Octavia Butler, mm-hmm. um, which I loved. But um, Beloved to me is a great example of like a book that's like very much so my style when it's like factual and, you know, like realistic. Mm-hmm. But there's like this little nuance of that like mystical and like how does that actually happen mm-hmm. magical realism type. yeah yeah absolutely oh. so what's next for I you? also love sorry <laughs> I read essays I love reading essays like I love bell hooks hmm. I could read her critical thinking for days um I'm reading this one book um called women and like when I say reading, I mean like reading as I pick up because like I said, it's essays. But it's women looking at men, looking at women. Um, and so it's like an essay on art, um, art, sex, and philosophy, like in ways that it addresses, for example, um, uh, cause who we just got the statue. Like she talks about him as an example of like a man who's like not a trained artist who has no background, whose work is all of a sudden worth like millions of dollars pretty much because he said it was. 
versus women who are artists who struggle and who don't get the recognition Hmm. um, and kind of like how that relates. I'm like really like a nerd. Um, (laughs) Like I love, I love essays. Hmm, I don't think I've ever met somebody that's like, they love reading essays. Yeah. That's like definitely a first. I love it. I just think they're so interesting. I, I think they it, like essays seem to have more of like that personal yeah. attachment to it. Like there's obviously a desire there to either learn more or share your knowledge about whatever topic it is. I hope that when I finish my dissertation, somebody's like, "I love reading." Somebody better read it. I love. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody better read it. <laughs> I really yeah. want them to be like, "I love it." I'm all you teachers more. out there, are you? I'm for sure gonna write a collection of essays one day. Read my dissertation. Read mine too, and publish it. And like if it's on an interesting topic, like I will read it. I just, I think my, like I want to, I want somebody to reference me. Mm. Like you know what I mean? I want it to be like you and know, blah, 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 Marshall. Blah, parentheses, Doctor Marshall, twenty eighteen yeah. or like twenty twenty, whatever it is gonna be. But I'm like, that's what I want. That's what I, I look like. Essays. To. I think they're interesting. Yeah, I think I think they're. I like learning. I like learning, especially. Like, post-college yeah because i'm like if i don't attempt to learn i won't so hmm, makes sense about it so what's uh what's next on the agenda for you after kindred and- um i'm gonna be creating a podcast network yeah yay so me and d-lo are gonna be I'm turn gonna be up producing d-lo's podcast and i'm also gonna be doing a podcast on my own and hopefully um develop one more to kind of like launch it yeah sweet I want to be a guest on a podcast one day. Yeah. Like, cause we, we're the hosts, so I've never been on the So many other, times. Like, and other, and our other. guests go off to do like such great, wonderful yeah. things. So. I can't wait to do like a, where are they now type, yeah. <laughs> type episode. Cause it's amazing. Five years bringing me enough to, uh, New kids, that. yes. Like we had, like, we're going to have like an event and like y'all all going to be invited. It's going to be like red carpet type stuff. I would like it. Let me know. I love the outfit. Everybody. Yeah. Any yeah. opportunity to wear a fire outfit, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> so the now we're getting to the questions that the guests are usually kind of struggling with. Like, I don't why you ask me this? Why do you ask me this? So oh just, yeah, ask me. Don't don't feel uh, pressured or attacked. I know. But <laughs> I I, uh, I was on a podcast and I'm like, how are you with sharing? I'm like, oh, I'm an overshare. I'm like, you can ask me. Good. I'm like, come on. Great. So, where do you think our generation is needed the most in the city of Detroit? Ooh, where we need it? Mm-hmm. Shit everywhere. Literally. Um, I mean, like I was saying earlier, like within the, you know, the permit getting process, like there's no young people whatsoever. And so, I literally was calling them. I'm like, because there was an online system. I wanted to turn it in hard copy because I was like, I just feel like that's the easiest way. And then, come to find out, like I turn it in and I'm like hello like this doesn't make sense and this is not where you're saying it is um knock knock yeah. i like literally pulled up and was like we're gonna just figure this out in person because the technology aspect was just it's, it's not, not working yeah. Yeah. yeah i also think in general like we need to be taking political positions um mary sheffield's a great example she's a young yes. woman um on city council but other than that like i mean almost everyone is like 50 and over and that's cool and I know that they have experience but a lot of the decisions they make impact our lives a lot more than they do people who are already stable and situated and well Mm -hmm. into living their lives um 
I would love for us to get a really, you know, it's tough, but I would love to see more young people taking on the role of teachers, which is obviously tough because I know teachers aren't paid well. Um, and that's a hard thing if you're a student who just got out of college and has all this debt. Yeah. Um, but I mean, young people are needed in our city everywhere. Um, every, like in every realm. We need young black people like working for Dan Gilbert to make sure like there's checks and balances within that organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, I could go on and on. I'm like, I would think we really need to be everywhere because if we're not, then the fate of our city really isn't in our hands and that's yeah. unacceptable. It's scary kind of to think that Yeah. it could be in the hands of people that don't look like us. Don't look like us. Don't aren't even from here. Don't like, have any understanding right of the nuances of being a black teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what that means. How can they how can they effectively help us? They can't. <laughs> so where do you see yourself in five years? And where do you see yourself at the end of your career? Mm. Um, five years, I obviously see Kindred Media Entertainment like being, you know, my bread and butter. Um I want to be doing, I will be doing short films, series works. Obviously, the podcast network will expand. Um, I also want to get into, like, just, like, more business-facing um, endeavors that, like I said, with the minor community action social change will also be, like, social entrepreneurship. So one of my my things, and no one still this because if you do, I will find you. <laughs> and I'm a nice person, but I'm mean. Um, <laughs> like I want to open like bodega style uh, grocery stores across mm. the city. Um, we are in a food desert, and if yes. you're a family that needs a meal, like there's really no options. Like if you don't have, we got a link car. Here with Yeah, like if you don't have a car. Um, Shout out to us foods, by the way. Raphael is doing great things. Yes, where's that going to be located? Did. Secure location? I'm not sure. The last I saw, he was like just like uh, checking out another space, but I didn't know. I don't know if he's made any like. But that like that's huge and that's so important. But I think that if we had these like you know these small stores where people could go and like get like bodega meal like bodegas and they can get vegetables and they can get fruit and they can get you know like eggs and milk when their family runs out of it. I think that also stops them from eating fast food. It helps us have a healthier you know, mm-hmm. community. So I see myself doing a lot of stuff like that. Um, I want to get involved with Detroit Public Libraries a lot. Um, I think, I like this idea that if we were to really put resources into Detroit Public Libraries, we could see like such a return on investment within the ways that impacts young children. Cause I have this thing where it's like, we always try to like reinvent Mm-hmm. And we need to just look at the infrastructure that's already in place and the mm-hmm. entities that are already situated. I'm like, we just need to go into every public library, make sure they have new computers, make sure that they have internet access, make sure that they are getting new books as they come in, make sure that they're teaching coding skills, yeah. make Relevant. sure that they're teaching yeah. young kids, like, you know, how to trade stocks. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you taught young black kids that they could make, they could put in $5 and make 100 you don't think they would be interested? Yeah, right. Absolutely. So things like that is what I see myself doing five years. Like, Kindred Music and Culture Festival will have grown to something that, you know, I can, I'll be helping with, but hopefully, like, there's a team where it's like, I have to do, like, very little. It has a life of its own. It has a life of its own, and I can really focus on 
for me, making an impact within the city of Detroit and hopefully like a lot of other black country or black cities across the country. And then, you know, across the world, because <laughs> I want to save the world. Yes. Maybe I'll be married and have a kid. That'd be cool. That sounds good. I could see him five years, like, you know, having like a one-year-old. I love Leah. Yeah. Yeah. I look at my boys. Because I, I, I'm the oldest of uh, three girls, okay. so I'm like, mm-hmm. kind of did the... The girls, the girls thing. Like, yeah, yeah kind of did that enough. <laughs> Makes sense. So if you could switch places with someone for one week, mm-hmm. who would it be? Now you get their money, their problems, their family, like their entire everything for that week. Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Like without a doubt, I'd have sex with Beyonce, which would be like, wow. Um, <laughs> you know, I just want to be around blue. Like I feel like I think blue, blue is probably so cool. Blue yeah. is probably like, like I would love to have blue. But more than anything, I really would want to like have that experience of like running Rock Nation. Yeah, yeah. Because I I did like the question thing on Instagram because that's like was a fun thing to do last night. And someone was like, "What what's your angle?" And I was like, "Own plus Rock Nation, kind of." So the production, you know, of film and TV. But also, like, for Rock Nation, it's, like, really being on the business side of, like, everything entertainment. Sports, media, business. Done, Rock Nation has done literally, like, everything. it all. Everything. I'm also going to, I have, like, I have a lot of things I'm going to do. So, this was a loaded question for me. Um, <laughs> I'm also going to have started um, a club soccer team in Detroit. I played soccer. And I used to think to myself, like, there's so many athletic black girls in the city who mm-hmm. just were never given a soccer ball. And they could be at Harvard, Yale, Columbia, Dartmouth, like USC, um, UNC, anywhere, not paying for college. Because, and I feel like that about like wanting to create like clubs and like travel teams for hockey, lacrosse, field hockey. Um, we got you everything. on a cheerleading side. Yeah, we got you on cheer. We right. have our own all star cheer program. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> no, like that's what I wanted because I'm like we could really see so many more black kids having full rides to college, and I also really do think sports provide a great infrastructure mm-hmm. um, when done correctly. Yeah, I think fortunate. Well, actually, just forget I brought that up. I don't want to talk about that. We'll talk about that off. Off air. All right, so that pretty much wraps, wraps it up, up for the, the series episode. interview part. Um, I, I like that. I was like, I wanted more. <laughs> I did see some um, tweets and stuff about like volunteering and yes, we doing still need that. more volunteers. Yes, um, free entry. What's a getting you know uh inside look of like what it really takes to put everything on um so especially like for younger people who like would be interested in mm-hmm. media entertainment and throwing events like this i think it's a great opportunity um okay we were t- i just like jumped in <laughs> um so yeah volunteering and then drop all your social media how yeah. to get in contact with you how to get in contact with you can follow me personally buy tickets. Yes. yes you can follow me personally on social media at I am Leah Hill you can follow Kindred Festival at Kindred Fest and this is like everywhere um, you can buy tickets at kindredfest.eventbrite.com you can learn more information about the festival at kindredfestival.com um, all that just tune all in I you know it's bigger than me it's an extension of me, but it's bigger than me, and 
what Kindred Festival and what Kindred Media can do and will become is going to be exciting. And, you know, why not, you know, be there for the ground floor? Yes, of course. So, of course, we are The New Kids. You can check out our website at thenewkidsdetroit.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The New Kids LLC. You can find us on SoundCloud at The New Kids Detroit, on iTunes at The New Kids LLC, and Facebook at The New Kids LLC. Uh, yes. That's a lot. <laughs> it, it, it was a lot. And I mean, if, why not? If you have um, anything that you want us to cover, if you have any guests in mind that you would like us to sit down with, you can email us at thenewkidsllc at gmail.com. Yes, all that. All that good stuff. So until next time, new kids out. Peace.